question for you. Are there any firstborn children out there in this crowd? Raise your hand if you're a firstborn child. Raise your hand if you are the first offspring of your kiddos. Okay, you can, keep, you can put your hands down. Uh, first offspring of your parents. These words matter. Um, if you are a firstborn, tell me if this is true of you. Are you achievement-oriented? Are you more responsible than your younger, lazy siblings? Do you have high standards? Are you a perfectionist? These are apparently attributes of firstborn kids. Psychologists would, would, would tell us this. Firstborn children, they have a certain station in life that oftentimes, but not always, turns them into more responsible people. They have more of their parents' attention. They get more opportunities earlier. And they're given more responsibility by their parents earlier. As a result, they grow up and tend to be more successful. Uh, maybe you didn't know this, but virtually every astronaut who walked on the moon was a firstborn child. Uh, most Nobel Prize winners are firstborn. Uh, firstborn children earn more money. They're more likely, 30% more likely to become CEOs. Uh, researchers also say that firstborn children tend to be more emotionally stable. You can believe that or not. But there are ample examples of this. Famous firstborns include George W. Bush, Hillary Clinton, Justin Bieber, Lindsay Lohan, Prince Charles, and Kourtney Kardashian. All successful and well-adjusted people, right? <laughs> to be a firstborn child is to be born with a certain identity, certain responsibilities, certain privileges. Now, why am I telling you this on Easter? Well, I'm telling you this because on Easter morning, we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Easter is the day on which Christians gather together to praise God for raising the Son from the dead. The resurrection is the most important event in human history. It means that death is not the end. It means that the power of God is real and can overcome anything. It means that God has plans for the future, hope for the future, and we can too. Easter is everything for Christians. And the Bible describes Easter in a lot of different ways. It's the power of life over death. It's the rescuing of sinners from the grave. But the Bible also describes the resurrection of Jesus as the rising of the firstborn from the dead. As Paul writes to the Colossians, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. This phrase, the firstborn from among the dead, it actually becomes a, a, something of a title for Jesus in the Bible. Uh, the author of John, the author of John, for example, in the book of Revelation says, Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead on Easter we celebrate Jesus as the firstborn but what does that mean and what does it have to do with us I've actually been thinking about that past couple months every year you know a lot of pressure to come up with something new to talk about on Easter <laughs> A couple months ago, I was reading the Bible, and I saw that phrase, firstborn for the dead. I'm like, that sounds like an Easter topic that I want to learn more about. And so those are the two questions I think we want to talk about with you this morning. What does it mean that Jesus is firstborn from the dead? And what does it mean for us? Well, in order to answer those questions, we're going to have to go back. You see, this idea 
of firstborn goes way, 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 way back in, in the Bible. Old Testament Jews actually had an important name for the firstborn in their families. The Hebrew word for the firstborn was Bahor. Turn to your neighbor and say, Bahor. You got to get the guttural right. You're only saying it right if you're actually spitting on your neighbor's face. Bahor. Now, you think firstborn children get special treatment today, but being a bachor in Israel was an even bigger deal. Parents were just unashamed to honor their firstborn child more than the others. Laws were written which required firstborn children to be valued more. <laughs> Have you ever heard the word primogeniture? It means the rights of the firstborn. According to the book of Deuteronomy, firstborn children received double the inheritance of other children. They were responsible for carrying on the family legacy and were rewarded more for it. So it was a big deal to be the firstborn son. Not as big a deal to be the firstborn daughter, which is an unfortunate other sermon. The elevation of the firstborn son actually becomes important because God uses the concept to help his people understand who they are to him. We see this, especially in the book of Exodus. Maybe you know the story of Exodus. About 1,300 years before Jesus arrived, the ancient nation of Israel was being held as slaves in Egypt. Now, God had a special relationship with Israel. God had selected Israel from among the nations to bring salvation to the earth. And when Israel was enslaved in Egypt and murdered by their oppressors, God decides to rescue them from their overlords. And God decides to rescue Israel in a particularly intense way. God calls Moses out from Egypt and sends him back to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, with this message. God tells Moses to tell Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my Bahor, my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so he may worship me, but you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your Bahor. Israel is my pride, my joy, God's saying, they are my Bahor and Pharaoh, you are enslaving them, you are murdering them, so because you have not released my firstborn son, I will kill your firstborn son. And if you know the Exodus, this is what happens. God sends the angel of death to kill the firstborn of every family in the land, but the Israelites are spared as God's firstborn, and Pharaoh releases them only after losing his firstborn. So this idea of the firstborn has an intense history in the Old Testament. It meant a lot to be God's Bechor. What did it mean? Well, let me spell it out. To be firstborn meant to be privileged. Firstborns received the lion's share of the blessing, just like firstborn children received double the inheritance. So Israel received a double portion as God's firstborn. After they escaped Israel and wandered around in the wilderness, they got this big nation to inhabit, the land of Canaan, that they did not earn. They just got it as their inheritance. Also to be the firstborn meant to be delivered. One of the reasons Israel is called the firstborn is because they were delivered from Egypt. You get the connection. What do you do with babies? What do you do with babies? You deliver them. The Exodus, I don't know if you've ever realized this, the Exodus is actually told as a birth story. Scholars point out the many ways in which the entire story of Exodus looks like, is made to look like, the birth of a nation. Even Israel's long passage through a canal through the sea 
is made to look like the birth of a child through a canal. To be the firstborn means to be delivered. And lastly, to be the firstborn was to be the first among many. Israel was not the only born. What was Israel? The firstborn. Maybe you didn't realize this, but God didn't choose Israel to be his only child. God chose Israel to be his first child. God wants to have a big family with lots of kids sitting around the dinner table. He chose Israel so that they would go out in the neighborhood and tell all the other kids to come home for dinner and have a big family meal. This was God's plan in privileging and delivering Israel as his firstborn so that they would be the firstborn among many nations. Now, as you probably know, Israel turned out to be a terrible firstborn child. Uh, they did not live up to the expectations. Kind of like, oh, I don't know, Paris Hilton. You know Paris Hilton? Paris is the firstborn heiress to the Hilton Empire. Paris was born with all the privileges you could imagine. Money, good looks, opportunity, fame. What did she do? There's Paris Hilton. What did she do with all this privilege? She squandered it on inappropriate tapes and reality TV shows. That is what she is doing with all her privilege. But it's not unlike Israel squandering everything God gave them. I mean, being after, after being delivered from Egypt and being given a, a homeland, an inheritance they did not earn, Israel becomes a disobedient child fit for reality TV show. And God the Father of Israel actually gets so upset at his disobedient child that do you know what he does? He kicks them out of the house. He literally kicks them out of the house. He kicks them out of his temple, the house, and out of the city, and out of the nation. He tells them, hey, go live down, down the street uh, with that broken family down the street. Go, go live with the Babylonians, the family Babylonian. The prophet Hosea describes God, God's pain at having to do this. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. But the more they were called, the more they went away from me. Basically, God says, my firstborn child could not be more of a disappointment to me. Maybe if you're a parent, you can understand this. Uh, anybody here have disobedient kids? You don't have to raise your hands. They might be sitting right next to you. Okay, some of you, raise your hands. You gave birth to these kids. You raised these kids. You taught them how to drive. You helped them get their first car. And then they go squander it away. They become Paris Hiltons. This was how God's Bechor responded to everything he gave them, which raises the question, what's a parent to do? God gave birth to Israel as his firstborn so that he might give birth to more children and they squander it. What's a parent to do? Well, this, I think, is where the story of the firstborn gets really interesting. You see, even as Israel was slowly falling apart as God's firstborn child, God was preparing the world for a true firstborn. A firstborn who could manage all the responsibility, who could carry on the family name, who could become everything that a firstborn should be. As Israel starts to fall apart, the Old Testament prophets start anticipating a king, a Messiah, who would not fail. A king of kings who would rule the nations. And here's the kicker. What is this king called? He's called the firstborn. Like in Psalm 89, when the psalmist prophesies the arrival of the firstborn king, I will appoint him 
Psalm 89. I will appoint him to be my firstborn, the most exalted of the kings of the earth. I will maintain my love to him forever, and my covenant with him will never fail. I will establish his line forever, his throne, as long as the heavens endure. So even as Israel was collapsing as God's firstborn child, even as they were becoming Paris Hilton, God was preparing the way for the arrival, the birth of a true firstborn king. You see, God still had a plan. Israel did not screw up God's plan. God still had a plan to build a family from all the nations of the earth, and his plan was to do that through a firstborn child. Israel was not that child, but one from Israel was And when Jesus arrives as the Messiah King hundreds of years later, many in Israel make the connection. They see in Jesus what Israel as the firstborn was supposed to be. How so? Well, let's revisit. What does it mean to be the Behor? It means to be privileged. Just so. Jesus is given all the power, all the authority, all the responsibility of God himself. Jesus is given the very name of the Father. Also, to be the Behor means to be delivered. Indeed, Jesus himself was delivered from death. This is what Easter is all about. This is the day on which Jesus was delivered from the grave. He was the firstborn from among the dead. What is the tomb but a womb that has been emptied? And Jesus is the firstborn among many. Jesus did not come as the only born, but as the firstborn. Jesus paves the way for the rest. There's actually another Hebrew word for firstborn that shows this. The word is peter rechem. It means opener of the womb. Jesus opens the womb so that other children can get out. Let's go, guys. This was always God's goal, to build a large family with lots of kids. That's what God wants. God wants a big family of believers with lots of kids from all over the globe. And you can be one of those children. Because Jesus broke open the womb. You can break out of your tomb. You can be a child of God. Now when I say you can be a child of God, what you might hear me saying is that you can be one of God's special second-born children, right? If Jesus is the firstborn, what does it make us? Second-born. Now I don't know about you, but I have mixed feelings about being a second-born child. Nothing super special about being secondborn. There's no Hebrew word for the secondborn. It's behor or bust. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Any secondborn children here? Now I want to hear from you secondborn kids. Raise your hand proud and tall if you're a secondborn child. I am one of those secondborn child. I am one of you. A forgotten secondborn child. According to the experts, though, as secondborn, we have problems. Secondborn, middle children share some characteristics. We can be needy, insecure. We can have low self-esteem. We can lack direction in life. We can feel burdened by our parents' low expectations. (laughs) We can feel overshadowed by our big sister, Stephanie, (laughs) who got everything she wanted all the time, and everybody loved her because she was so pretty. Famous second-born children include Prince Harry, Britney Spears, Katy Perry, Martha Stewart. Oh, great. (laughs) At least we're in the family of God, though, right? I mean, firstborn, secondborn, thirdborn, 99th born. At least we're in the family. Jesus rose as the firstborn so that we could be secondborn. That's fine. (laughs) 
You might think I'm saying that, but here's the thing, I'm not. Because the Bible doesn't. The Bible says that Jesus rose from the dead as the firstborn of all creation so that we could rise from the dead as God's firstborn also. See, here's the thing, and this is important. There are no secondborn in the kingdom of God. Only firstborn. We are all firstborns. Let me share with you a really interesting verse. In the book of uh, Hebrews in the New Testament, the author writes this to his church. He writes, You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands and thousands, thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names, plural, are written in heaven. When we become Christians, what do we come to? We come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. We come to the church of the firstborn, whose names, plural, are written in heaven. Now, you can't really see this in English, but in the original Greek, the church of the firstborn, it's actually plural. We don't say this because it would be improper, but it's actually the church of the firstborns. It's not a reference to one firstborn child. It's a reference to lots of firstborn children. It's a reference to all of God's people. We are the church of the firstborn. Jesus broke free from death as the Bahor so that we could be Bahors or Bahorim or Bahorites or Bahori or however the plural that is. What does that mean? It means that all the privileges given to the Bahor of God are given to us. All the rights, all the attention, all the inheritance, all the responsibilities because of what Jesus did, we all get a double portion. We get a double portion of everything God wants to give us. We get a double portion of his spirit to give us strength to live our lives. We get a double portion of his grace so that we can enjoy his forgiveness when we mess up. We get a double portion of responsibility in the new heavens and the new earth. That's what it means to be the church of the firstborn. Everything God wants to give his children, he gives us double. That's good news. That's good news. On Easter, we remember that we are the church of the firstborn. Under the lordship of Jesus, Jesus is unique in this sense. Under the lordship of Jesus, though, we are his firstborn kids. But is that it? I mean, sure, that's cool. Is that it? What I guess I'm asking is, so what do we do? As the church of the firstborn, what do we do? Well, before we close, let me tell you what to do. First, be born again. Let me be clear here. The Bible doesn't say that you are a firstborn child of God. The Bible says that you can be one. And how do you become firstborn children of the Father? By being born again. As Jesus says in the gospel, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. What does it mean to be born again? It means to give up your old way of living. It means to start again with God as your father. It means to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. I mean, what is baptism except a new birth? As the Israelites were born through the waters of the Red Sea, as a child is born in the waters of its mother's womb, so baptism is a new birth for us to enter a new existence as God's children. If you haven't been born again, you've got to be born again. I mean, let me ask you a question. Be honest. 
Do you like the way your life is going? Do you like the way it looks like your life is going to end? And you know when I say end, you know what I'm talking about. Like, (laughs) you okay with that? If so, great. If not, here's the good news. You can be born again. You can start over. How do you get born again? It's really simple. You accept Jesus as your Savior. You get baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That's it. And you get a new start that lasts forever. As John writes, to all who did receive him, to all those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. If you want to be a firstborn child of God, it's easy. Be born again. Receive him into your heart. Be born again. Start over. Second, live as children of God. Once you are born again as firstborn child of God, you, you don't just get to coast into heaven. You've got to live like it, right? You, 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 God doesn't want Paris Hiltons. God doesn't want Lindsay Lohans. God wants firstborn children who look like their father. God wants firstborn children who look like his son. This was Israel's problem. They took their firstborn privileges, got lazy. Not the point. And in this sense, wherever we are in the birth order, we all have much to learn from you firstborn children out there. Raise your hand again if you're a firstborn child in your family. Keep your hand high. I know you're proud of it. (laughs) Science has actually shown that you guys, you can raise your hand now, we all know. (laughs) Yeah. Science has actually shown that you guys actually feel a greater burden to honor your parents. That's true. In this sense... Should we all not feel that responsibility? As firstborn children of God, should we all not feel that? To be a child of God means to live like our Father. The Apostle Peter puts it this way. As obedient children, children of the Father, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But as obedient children, just as he who called you is holy, your Father is holy, so be holy in all you do. It's kind of like my mother. Uh, My mother is an amazing person. She is the firstborn child of my parents, Grandpa Ray, Grandma Ruth. She is their Bahor. They're not like a Jewish family or anything. They're Gentile Methodists from Decatur, but she is their Bahor. (laughs) Now, I love my aunts, I love my uncle, and, and my grandpa and my grandma loved all their children, but my mother, my mother felt an extra sense of responsibility as the oldest child. They didn't force it on her, but she felt it. She knew what it meant to be the Bahor. Every firstborn child feels that, and my mom did it right. She carried on the best of what my grandparents taught her. What was that? Respect, service, hard work, integrity, reverence. She showed her community and her family who her parents were and still are in her. That's what it means to be God's before. To carry on his legacy. What is the Father's legacy for us? Holiness, Peter says. Love, purity, generosity. And here's the truth. A lot of us claim to be firstborn children of God, but we're not living like it. We're not talking like it. You can't be God's before and not live like it, though. Some of us look nothing like our Father. That's why we need help. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need each other. That's why we need to come here at church more often. 
I am happy to welcome Christmas and Easter visitors here this morning. Good to see you. Welcome back, etc., etc. But you need more. You need more of what your Father wants to give you so that you can be who you are as God's firstborn child. Live as children of God, be born again, and lastly, grow the family. Just as Israel was not supposed to be the only born, we're not supposed to be the only born. What were they supposed to be? They were supposed to be the firstborn. What are we supposed to be? We're supposed to be the firstborn among many. It cannot stop here. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. Those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. God wants to grow this family. God wants more children. Do you know why Jesus has taken so long to come back? Have you ever wondered, Jesus, why are you taking so long to come back? Do you know why? Because God wants a big family, and big families take time to build. Look at the shruggies up here. This took decades to build this row of people. <laughs> God wants a big family. God wants a big, long baby boom. Speaking of, and I'll close with this. Do you know who Kathleen Casey is? Kathleen Casey was born one second after midnight on January 1st, 1942. She was born the daughter of a Navy machinist's wife at St. Agnes Hospital in Philadelphia. You know who she is, right? She has been identified by demographers as the firstborn member of the baby boom generation. The baby boom generation, it's my parents' generation, is that group of Americans born between 1942-1964. This was the post-war generation. After years of war, American servicemen and women returned home to a nation at peace. They decided to move out to the burbs and get busy. During the first year of the boom, 3.4 million babies were born. Millions and millions of babies were born the next year. Millions and millions and millions of babies were born the next year. Between 1946 and 1964, 76 million babies were born. At the peak of the baby boom, 40% of the nation's population were boomer children. And Kathleen Casey started it all. She was the opener of the womb. <laughs> Come on, guys! <laughs> The Pederechim. Just so, Jesus is God's behor. Opener of the womb. 2,000 years ago, he descended to the grave, as we all will. But as the Israelites were delivered from slavery, so Jesus was delivered from death. He was raised to life and set upon the throne of heaven, given all the rights, all the response, all the privileges of God's firstborn son. But as God's firstborn, he was never meant to be the only. God wants a big family. God wants a baby boom. God wants a church of firstborn people. And that's being offered to us this morning. That's what Easter is all about. It's about us becoming firstborn children of God. But it doesn't just happen. You've got to do something about it. You've got to be born again by the power of the Spirit. You've got to start over. And you've got to live like it. You've got to show off the love of God to the world. Like my mama showed off my granddaddy's. You can't be a Paris Hilton. You got to be a Diane Herndon Christian. And you got to grow the family. The work of God, it does not stop with you. It starts with Jesus, the true behor of God. It goes through you and it stops when our Father says it stops and He's not done. So we got to tell the world, people, 
We got to tell St. Louis. We got to tell Missouri. We got to tell our friends. We got to tell our family that they too can become firstborn children of God. There are more people to reach. There are more children yet to be born. God's church is still booming, and we're part of the explosion. We are the church of the firstborn. Now we just got to go live like it. So happy Easter. Let's go do that. Let's pray. Father, when I think back to Rooftop's birth 21 years ago, it's just another little birth and an explosion of new churches and new salvations and new baptisms that have happened over 2,000 years. We're in the midst of a baby boom and you're not done. You're booming in our hearts and our souls by rescuing us from death and from sin. And you yearn to Reveal your power to others who don't know you yet, who have not yet been born again. I pray that people who are, not, who are in this room and are not born again, that they can be born again. That you pour your spirit and your love into them so they know they can start over and live eternally. We humbly ask that you keep, you keep revealing your birthing power in our church here at Rooftop. We've birthed one church a couple years ago. We want to do it again. Then again after that, we want to baptize people so that they can pass through the birth canal into life eternal that you have for them. Thank you for meeting us here this morning. Thank you for giving us this chance to celebrate the power which makes all things new. We pray these things in the name of your risen son, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.